1: Hello, Lakers Nation. Welcome in. Trevor Lane here for LakersNation.com. This is the Lakers Nation live post game show slash podcast. We'll be taking your questions and comments. So, those of you coming in from YouTube, from Facebook, from Twitter, welcome. The Lakers, oh boy, they, they fall to the Sacramento Kings, give up an 8 0 run in the final two minutes to lose the game. The Lakers were actually up on a Russell Westbrook three. They were up to give up an 8 0 run to finish the game, losing by. Six, absolutely brutal. They found a way somehow to lose this game down the stretch. Part of that was a De'Aaron Fox hot streak. He could not miss from the mid-range, was hitting everything in the fourth quarter, and it felt like the Lakers could not generate anything on their own offensive end resembling a decent look, and the Lakers do fall. Again, the second five-game losing streak for the Lakers this season now. Not great, and I know Lakers fans coming in You are not happy with what you're seeing out there on the floor. We'll dive into it. Quick reminder, make sure you're subscribing to the Lakers Nation YouTube channel. Turn on those notifications. If and when the Lakers do something out on the trade market, whenever news breaks, you know we're going to be right here keeping you up to date on everything. So make sure you turn on those notifications and, of course, subscribe as well. All right, quick peek at the stat sheet. Anthony Davis, 24 points, 14 rebounds, 3 assists, 2 steals, 3 blocks, Stuffed the box score, but we saw Anthony Davis again kind of disappear a little bit in the second half. Not as much as in previous games. Want to get into why, and we will get there over the course of our questions. Um, 19 for Lonnie Walker. Welcome back, Lonnie Walker. Look good. Was nice to see him back on the floor for the Lakers. Has been dealing with illness. Illness has been going around the team. Anthony Davis was sick, and then we managed to gut it out and still have a solid performance in this one. You got... 21 points out of Russell Westbrook, 11 assists. Although I have a feeling the chat is not thrilled with his play. The shot selection at the end was not great. But overall, Russell Westbrook, 21 and 11. 6 for 17 shooting, though, is not the efficiency you'd like to see there. Austin Reeves, probably Austin Reeves' best performance of the season. 19 points, 5 boards, 7 of 12 shooting. Made a number of hustle plays on the night that I thought were big, big moment plays where he was able to come up with an offensive rebound, where he's able to get a steal. He made some important plays for the Lakers tonight and gave them opportunities to win this game. Unfortunately, they were not able to get the job done. Wendy Gabriel, I thought, had a decent night starting for LeBron James. Eight points for him. LeBron out with the injuries. Got the groin injury right now. It's prob- I would imagine he's probably out on Sunday as well because the Lakers, after Sunday, don't play again until Friday. And so that would give, the le- give LeBron an opportunity to rest and the Lakers hopefully to get him back to maybe close to 100%. Remember, he has not just the groin injury, but also the foot injury that is only going to heal, according to what LeBron has said, by resting it. So this is actually a really good opportunity for LeBron to get an extended period of rest. So personally, look, maybe this changes, but I would be surprised if LeBron's on the floor on Sunday against the Nets. All right, let me start getting into your questions and comments here. There's a lot coming in already. Always winning. Says the NBA is soft, can't stare down, barely trash talk unless a punch is thrown. Let the players do their thing, make the game more exciting at least. Reeves for MVP. So he's talking about Russell Westbrook getting a taunting technical foul for staring at, at Kevin Herter on a play after he scored on him. Russ, you know, just stared him down for a second, maybe a second and a half. And it was an immediate technical foul. Like that's that's what the NBA has decided that they were going to do. That's the way they decided that they were going to uh, handle the game. And this is, it kind of goes back to the Dikembe Mutombo rule. Remember Mutombo, as soon as he blocks a shot, he used to wag the finger in the player's face. Then the NBA said, well, no, we don't want taunting happening. That can escalate things. Then we end up with bigger problems. So now if you're going to do anything, you can do it to the crowd. So Mutombo had to wave his finger to the crowd. Russ, if he's going to do the rock, the baby thing, he's got to do it to the crowd, not at somebody else. I thought it was a little bit of a quick trigger but that's just kind of the, the NBA that we're living in now. And those are the decisions that they made in terms of how they're going to officiate the game. I think there's some other officiating concerns we can get into, but letter of the law, I mean, technically it's, it's weak. Don't get me wrong, but technically they, they were supposed to give Russ the, the technical anyway. Uh, Jerry Sanchez said, I work where I can put on Laker gear and have Lakers games on. People ask me what's going on all the time. I'm having a hard time defending them right now. You know, that's that's interesting because we all deal with that. Or at least I would imagine most of the people that are, that are watching this show or listening to this show probably have some kind of Laker gear, whether it's a hat, a sweatshirt, a jersey, whatever it is, a shirt. People probably have Laker gear. It's not fun when you're putting on Laker gear knowing going out that people are going to make comments about it or say something about it, about how bad the team is or, or something like that. Because uh, I want to be able to wear my Laker gear, and I still do, but People want to be able to wear their Laker gear and wear it proudly and all of that. doesn't feel good when you're putting on Laker gear and you're going out and people are asking you what's wrong with this team and you don't really have an answer. You can't say, oh, well, they're actually really good. Just this player's hurt. And when he comes back, look out or something. They're just just bad right now. They're just bad and they're not finding ways to win games. Uh, Gian Mercado said, Trev, it's beginning to stink like last season. Is there still hope? I think the only way there's hope for this group is a trade. And I wonder if the, at some point the Lakers are going to say that a trade isn't going to do enough. It might make us a little bit more enjoyable to watch, but what do we get into? The play-in, something like that? That's best case. I've said for a while that if there's a trade that comes along where the Lakers can get players that can help them now, but also into the future. And you kind of do, and and that way you kind of do your free agency shopping right now and get those pieces on the team now. That makes sense to do that. But if that's not what's on the table, if that doesn't exist, then it makes more sense to just kind of wait. And that's, look, we've already seen the piece from Chris Haynes that came out uh, yesterday that said LeBron is clearly starting to put some pressure on the organization. Like, hey, you guys told us You guys told me that, hey, if I sign this extension, I'm not going to waste any years of my career, right? You're going to make the moves to help us contend. So what are we doing? We're not contending right now. This isn't working clearly. So you need to do something. Again, that's more words than was actually put in the Chris Haynes piece, but the message is there. So I do wonder if at some point we're going to hit a crossroads where the Lakers are going to have to make a decision. I don't think you can sit on the fence with this team. I don't think you can sit and not do anything i think you're going to have to decide sooner rather than later are you going to try to make a push or not and if the answer is no that may lead you to a decision in terms of rebuilding so the lakers have really got to think long and hard here about what they really want from this season what they want from the future there's a lot at stake here let's not forget The Lakers have worked very hard to cultivate this image of being very superstar friendly. If the Lakers sold LeBron on, we are going to make trades to help you contend this year, and they don't do that, that's not going to be received well by other star players around the NBA. There's a lot riding on this next decision they make, whether it's go get pieces to try to help this team now, or this team is not salvageable and we're going to wait there are a lot of things tied to that decision in either direction. It's going to be important that they make the right one, whatever that's going to be. All right, let's see what else we've got coming in here in the chat. I've seen a lot of people that are unhappy with a lot of players on this Lakers team. Red, have we ever done a game, won a game where Westbrook does his celebration? The Kings were lackadaisical up to that point. Why do you need to give them a reason to start playing hard? I don't get all the taunting. I think Russ, he likes to feed off the crowd's energy, likes to fire them up. And we've seen some good moments with Russell Westbrook and the LA crowd this season that, frankly, we didn't think we would. It's just kind of who Russ is as a player. I don't know how much that fires up other teams. I don't know how much that gets other teams going. Um, Have we ever won a game where Westbrook does a celebration? Go back and rewatch two games. They've only won two. So that's not a lot of footage to have to go through to see if they've won a game where he's done that, that celebration, unless you want to go back to last year. Kyle Hampton says win or lose. This is my team. These are my guys, all of them, as long as they wear a Lakers jersey. That's a, that's a admirable uh, attitude there. I think overall we were decent tonight. Just need to get stops. Once we can reliably do that. I think we're good. So, I won't say I think the Lakers are good, but I do think you bring up a good point in terms of the Lakers needing stops. De'Aaron Fox was just scoring and scoring and scoring. He kept getting the little mid-range jumper and just was not missing them. Typically in the NBA, you want guys shooting mid-range jumpers. De'Aaron Fox was just extremely efficient tonight, hitting that shot he barely missed. So that meant the Lakers are taking the ball out of their own basket and then trying to attack a Kings half-court defense. That's a problem. This team has to get stops to win games. I've talked about this before. Their best offense, their best chance at scoring is getting in transition because they don't have the shooting. They don't have the offensive creators necessary to score consistently in a half court offensive set. And that's a problem. That's a problem. And we saw it play out down the stretch because the Kings kept scoring. The Lakers couldn't get out and run because they weren't getting stops. And the half court offense completely bogged down. We saw a couple of Russell Westbrook poor, poor plays. We saw them not be able to finish. Everything just kind of fell apart. Patrick Beverly, I think, missed a three. It was a mess. They couldn't generate anything because the Kings defense really locked down in the half court, and the Lakers were stuck playing in half court because they couldn't get stops on the other end. That's a recipe for disaster, specifically for this Lakers team. It really does come down to whether or not they get stops. Their offense is so dependent on being able to get out and transition because when they have to play in the half court, It gets ugly. It just gets ugly. Joey C. Ham's crush on Westbrook is killing the Lakers. Too many crucial errors down the stretch. Keeps getting closing minutes. He was playing for the Kings at the end of the second quarter. That was really rough at the end of the second quarter. um, The Lakers, and and you may look at that and say that really kind of lost the game there. The Lakers were up eight. They had a chance to go up 10 or 11. There were like, what, eight seconds left on the clock when they got the ball. And so you're thinking, okay, well, they're up eight, heading into halftime at worst, get the last shot. All right, maybe you're up 10, maybe you're up 11 if you can make it, otherwise you're up eight and you're feeling okay. Uh, instead, they did the exact, like you couldn't do anything worse here. They turned it over on a Russ entry pass to AD that wasn't great, got stolen. Russ then commits a take foul. So they get a free throw, hit the free throw. Okay, now it's just a seven point lead. A couple of seconds left, De'Aaron Fox hits a three. Four-point possession for the Kings off of a Lakers turnover when the Lakers, even if, if Russ had just dribbled out the clock and not even shot, that would have been better than that. So I understand frustration with Russ for this game. You know, he, in the past, like last year, we saw Russ made a lot of loud mistakes. And that's what really drew the ire of Lakers fans was not only was he committing turnovers, but they were turnovers at terrible moments and particularly damaging turnovers. Like a turnover where Russ flings the ball out of bounds. Like that's not good, but it's a dead ball. Your defense gets to, to, to get back and, and you get you can get set and you can you can survive that, right? Live ball turnovers, though, are another story. And that's what we saw uh, at the end of the half. And we also saw some issues with Russ at the end of the quarter too, uh, at the end of the, the fourth quarter. So I don't want to come on, come down too hard on Russ because overall, I still think he's been having a great season. I think he's been a positive for the Lakers. Tonight, we saw a little bit too much of the old Russ come into play, missing shots at the rim, turning the ball over it, critical junctures, things like that. But Russ has been really key for this team, and so I understand why Ham decided to keep him in there in the fourth. I'm not going to fault him this time, even though we saw Russ make some, you know, some bad plays down the stretch that really did hurt the team. But again, with no LeBron, like, with no LeBron out there, if you just didn't have Russ in this game, you don't have anybody really attacking the basket and creating anything for you. It it would have been worse to not have Russ in this one. All right. See why not. AD's instances on insistence, I'm assuming he's trying to say here, on playing the four is baffling. Like, bro, you can't stretch the floor. Why would anyone play you at power forward, LOL? It's because of the matchups he's getting defensively that he prefers. It's not so much that he can't stretch the floor yet. We typically think of fours as guys who can stretch the floor, but if he's put like, let's say the Lakers go get miles Turner. Okay. AD can be the four and miles Turner is the five and miles Turner can stretch the floor as the five. And that makes up for AD not being able to do that at this point. So it depends on who he's out on the floor with, but AD at power forward, I think he feels like that just allows him to have a little bit more energy at the end of the game. And at this point, when you're losing games anyway, why not? Why not just just you might as well try it. Like if you're losing games anyway, there's no reason to, con- to continue to upset Anthony Davis. Give him some minutes at the four. If you can figure out who's going to play next to him without Damian Jones, had some okay moments in this one. That's really been the bigger problem for the Lakers. It's not so much been, oh my gosh, We have to keep AD at the five because we're winning games with AD at the five. It's who's the five if not AD? Because Damian Jones hasn't been able to do it. Wendy and Gabriel has been doing it. Okay. Thomas Bryant, though, may be back before Friday's game. Same thing with Dennis Schroeder. Hopefully he can give them a little bit of a boost there, but we'll see. Uh, Anime do. I have a question. Hopefully I have an answer. So yesterday I went to the Mavs Wizards game. Okay. Kuzma dropped 38 points. He never did that for the Lakers. Why do young players get better when they leave the Lakers? So, I think part of it is opportunity. Um, and so we can we can jump to that. Part of it is just opportunity. They're getting more scoring chances, more opportunities to have the ball in their hands whereas with the Lakers, the ball would the past what 5 years now, the ball would be with LeBron because it's LeBron or the ball would be with Anthony Davis. So you would assume that on a team where the best play look, Kristaps Porzingis, Bradley Beal, they're not now Beal's been out, but you would assume on that Wizards team there's going to be more opportunities for Kyle Koosman to have the ball than on a Lakers team that he was previously on with LeBron and AD, and then they had competent players around them, KCP and Danny Green and Avery Bradley was good that first year and, and players like that. That That's just natural, right? Like that's going to happen to most players. As far as why do young players get better, though, when they leave the Lakers, you might be able to point the finger and say, are the Lakers not giving enough run to some of these young players and they're not giving them enough responsibilities in the offense maybe but i also think part of it is young players just tend to get better naturally and so if the lakers trade away a player who's 22 and two years later that player is pretty good well you would expect that right wouldn't you expect that player at 24 to be better than they were at 22 and it's really easy to see that growth and turn around and go oh It's the Lakers' problem. See, this guy wasn't that good before. What are the Lakers doing wrong? Some Young players tend to get better. That's just organic and natural growth that happens in the NBA. Now, again, I'm not saying that the Lakers are perfect at developing talent. I'm not saying that there isn't some of that effect there. I'm just saying it might not be as pronounced as what it seems because of the opportunities that young players are getting when they go elsewhere and just the natural growth that they also have in their games when we're comparing them to what they were two years ago. Rob Firelli, bad as last year yet? We're getting there, man. We are getting there. This, I, I never felt good that they were going to win this game, even when they had the lead. And over on playback, we were doing the, the live uh, play-by-play of the game. the The chat over there, as everybody's watching the game with us, kind of felt the same, like, even when the Lakers had a lead, it was, they're going to find a way to lose this. It's just, they're not, they're not going to get the job done. And that was kind of the sense I had throughout the game was this isn't going to end well. There's going, they're going to find some way to trip over their own two feet and lose this game. And sure enough, that's exactly what they did. They found a way uh, and De'Aaron Fox got hot and that, that contributed as well. But yeah. Anthony, sell the Lakers. This is not okay. The best franchise has become a joke. I don't think the bus family is planning on selling the Lakers anytime soon. If they did, they would make a lot of money. The valuation, I'm sure, is through the roof. But I don't think that's in the cards. Just Beezy. Uh, what are you more likely to see? <laughs> what are you more likely to see first? Bigfoot, Godzilla, or Bubble AD? It's ridiculous how lackadaisically moves out there. I'm beyond furious. <laughs> that's that's fair, I guess. Look, Anthony Davis, he did not have a bad game in this. He didn't. And I guess I should just take that opportunity to talk about what Anthony Davis is doing and what's happening uh, in the second half of, of particularly this game. But yeah, look, AD is not, he's not moving right. I talked about this last show. If you go back to 2020 and you watch clips of AD there and you look at just how springy and how athletic he is, just not even like, not even on his dunks or block shots. I'm talking about just just running, just jogging down the court doesn't look quite the same. Now, again, he's been battling a back injury. Back injuries are brutal and they can make every movement awkward for you. It's just that's that's back injuries. So, that could be part of the part of what's going on here too. But nonetheless, let's talk about AD and his lack of scoring in the second half. AD once again was not super active scoring the basketball in the second half of this game. He had some moments where it felt like he pushed down on the gas pedal, but there was something else happening here though too. The Lakers tried to get the ball to AD and what was happening is anytime AD set up on the low block, the Kings doubled him and rightfully so. Here's why. So the Lakers, if you noticed, if the Lakers tried to get the ball to AD, the Kings would double him either to deny the entry pass or double him as soon as he caught the ball. If AD kicked it out, or the pass got swung another direction to the open man, the Kings were able to rotate quickly enough to cover for it. The Lakers were not punishing the Kings for their choices. See what's supposed to happen then. If the Kings double AD, what the Lakers are supposed to do is they're supposed to counter that by swinging the ball quickly, finding the open man, and getting the Kings defense into rotation until you get an open look. That's what you're supposed to do in that situation. The Lakers offense was not able to do that. They could not execute that simple concept of if we can't get the entry pass in because they're doubling, someone's open somewhere, move the ball, find the open look and knock it down. They couldn't do it. And so the Lakers were not able to punish the Kings for their choices. In fact, most of the time, what happened was the Lakers would go to swing the ball and they would swing. They would pass. It was a little bit off. They couldn't get to the right spots. Next thing you know, the shot clock is winding down and you wind up with somebody taking a contested long shot. That's what you were getting out of trying to get the entry pass to Anthony Davis. So, not only were you not punishing the Kings for their choices, you actually went the other way and you were rewarding them for their choices because when you tried to take advantage of the opportunity the Kings were giving you by doubling off the ball, instead, you tripped over your own two feet and you gave the Kings a stop. You would have been better off not even attempting to pass it to AD. And so, in that way, the Kings limited AD's scoring opportunities. There were a few times where he got the ball in the high post and then had to attack off the dribble. But finding him in the low post was essentially impossible for the Lakers because he was getting doubled, and they could not make the Kings pay for doing that. So the Kings said, cool, we're just going to keep doing this. We can take AD out of the game if we just keep doing this, and you can't stop us because you're not countering this. Darvin Ham's not going to be happy with that, and he shouldn't be, and the team shouldn't be. That's something they have to look at on film. And they have to know how to counter, AD getting doubled and denied the ball. You have to. Ben Mason still don't see how we can say Frank Vogel's team last year is worse than what we've seen this year so far. Again, last year's team last year's team didn't play a schedule like this at the beginning of the season. This Kings team is not a good team, so this was uh, you know a, a bad loss in that way. But so far, every other game the Lakers have played have been against some of the top tier teams in the NBA. So that's not that's a factor here. If the, if this Lakers team was playing against last year's schedule in the first 10, 11 games, they'd have more wins than they have right now. I'm confident of that. Um, I think we'd have to wait for an entire season to confidently say like, this team's better. This team's worse, anything like that. But this team should be better than last year's team. They should, they should. You've got more young players. You've got athletes. You've got guys who are better defensively. This should be better now. Do you have a more diminished version of LeBron James? Do you have a more diminished version of Anthony Davis? Is that holding you back right now from being quite as good as, as last year's team was, which was not good. was awful. It was not fun watching that team. Um, I still can't, can't look at this team, though, and say this is worse than last season's team. The fan experience might be getting there in terms of how many games they're losing and just how futile it looks. The fan experience might be getting there. But I think overall this team is better. Like if these two, if this year's team played last year's team, I'm confident like this year's team is winning eight out of 10 times. Maybe seven.
0: We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed
1: I really hope Coach Ham makes rotations better to close games, and Pat Bev should not be in instead of Troy or Max. So, here's this is I had a lot of people live while we were watching this game who were also upset with Darvin Ham for going with Patrick Beverly. And I think this was the thought process. I would imagine this is what was going through Darvin Ham's head when he decided to put Pat Bev in. So, De'Aaron Fox was getting going. They saw something similar out of CJ McCollum uh, in the win against the Pelicans. And who did he turn to Patrick Beverly to slow down CJ McCollum. A lot of people were saying, I myself included saying, what's he doing? Why is he going to Patrick Beverly to close the game? And it worked. Pat did a nice job defensively, slowed down CJ. The Lakers won the game. Um, This one, I think he thought, okay, I'm going to do the same thing. Aaron Fox has it going, Pat go get him. And it didn't work out. It didn't work out. And Pat has not been great for the Lakers this season. We've seen him missing free throws, uh, missing layups. Patrick Beverly on the night, two for eight shooting, one of three from three, three boards, two steals, five points, minus three on the night. He he was not great in this game either. He had some some big mistakes, but I understand the thought process because the Lakers were thinking we need stops. Darvin Ham is thinking we need stops. Who has the best chance of getting a stop on De'Aaron Fox? And remembering that that Pat was able to slow down CJ. That I'm sure played a role in in him going, turning to him to close out this game. Quick life, AD puts up good stats, but that never equals wins so far this season. Yeah, I mean, but anybody who's had a good game is not really equal to win. They've only won twice. Get Bev off this team, start Schroeder when healthy. They may, they might. And Schroeder, same thing as Thomas Bryant. Schroeder and Thomas Bryant are going to be evaluated according to the Lakers on the 17th. And if they're good to go, we've already seen Schroeder shooting in practice. If They're good to go at that point then they might play on the 18th. That, that change could happen. Ace of Hearts said AD is not the issue. The amount of times Russ Reeves and the other ball handlers missed him is ridiculous. There were a few plays where they missed him. Uh, there was one really bad one where AD flashed to the middle, was wide open under the basket, and the ball went out to the wing instead and became a turnover. Um, I'm trying to. I don't recall if that was a Russ turnover or who that was, but it was bad. He did get missed a few times, but more often than not, the Kings were taking him away in terms of getting the ball in the post. Uh, Darius G. Why can't the Lakers force teams to play the style they want to play, like teams do to them? Because the Lakers are are relying on getting stops. If the opponent scores. That then you're playing the opponent's style, right? The Lakers, the Lakers' path to success is get stops, get out and run and transition. Guess what doesn't happen at the end of games? Transition play. It the game slows down. It becomes more playoff style basketball. The game slows down at towards the end of the fourth quarter. It's just it's what happens. And that's not conducive to the Lakers winning because they're kind of have have trouble scoring. They have trouble scoring. That gets their opponents into transition, gets them into mismatches. The Lakers defense can't get stops. Snowball gets rolling the wrong way and you wind up in in big trouble. And that's what we saw play out today Uh, as far as why they can't get teams to play their style because their style is totally predicated upon stops. You have to get stops a ton in order for the Lakers offense to be effective. Sean Tate, do you think the Lakers will make a trade? I sure hope so, Sean. I, I hope so. You know, I don't, just like you, just like most Lakers fans, I don't want to see this team go through this season like this. I don't want to see this team sitting at the bottom of the Western Conference the whole time. I'd like to see some games where they've where they've got a shot, where they have a chance. I'd like to see some games where they've got pieces that can help them execute. Um, I've been literally saying since July that this team has been, the, the roster construction, this team is screaming for a trade. That is still true. And I would like to see something changed because um, it's going to be a long season. If they don't for nothing else. And I understand why it's got to be the right move. I understand why there's going to be hesitation, why there's going to be questions on whether or not this team can actually get to where they need to go. But nonetheless, this is, um, I would like to see them do something. I would like to, and I think most Lakers fans feel the same way. Mom mentality. Lakers need a full training uh, session on how to set screens. Everything else is like beating a dead horse. A lot of the screens today actually were on Russell Westbrook, who went um who went a little bit early. And that makes it tough on your screen setters. So yeah. All right, let's see what else we've got. That puts them in situations where they can uh where they're just gonna foul. They're gonna get called for fouls. Vector Nova said, I'm kind of joking with this, but after watching all the Jazz and Lakers games, I have to say the Jazz won the Patrick Beverly trade, especially with THT's play for the past couple of games. Pat's shot is shot. They might have. I mean, we know they won in the future. We know if, if THT is a Laker or is a, a Jazz five years from now, they they win that way, right? Patrick Beverly's not in the league five years from now. THT will be in his prime five years from now. Uh, maybe just entering his prime because he's still a very young player, but the Lakers brought in Patrick Beverly thinking this guy's a 37% career three-point shooter. So that's going to be a big help for us. And he's a good defender. And we need three and D type players around LeBron and AD. The skill set is exactly what the Lakers want. The Three-point shot has gone missing though. He's somewhere in the twenties right now, shooting the three. And that's a problem when you've got a player who's 34 and you need him to be able to score right now. You need him to be at his best right now because you know, Next year, he's not going to be better, but most likely, right? Getting older. Two years from now, is he still on, is he still around? Is he still on the team when he's 36? I don't know. So you really were betting that Patrick Brevley would come in and he would give you some floor spacing, and he has not been able to do that. Teams haven't had a reason to defend him behind the arc. So much, like he's done some good things defensively, but so much of what the Lakers need from him on the offensive end is hitting open threes and the fact that he hasn't been able to might just by default turn THT for the jazz being a win for them on that trade. Uh, Ace of hearts said when Russ plays good, he does something towards the end to cost us the game. It's not about if he plays good or bad. He's a liability regardless. The question right now becomes, If not Russ, who? Who's handling the ball in crunch time based on who's available in this game? And maybe you can say Austin Reeves. I'm not saying there's no other options, but it's not like LeBron was there. Like if LeBron was there and Russ was having kind of a sloppy game and turning the ball over, yeah, you just just give the ball to LeBron. Russ goes sit down to finish out the fourth and there you go. But there was no LeBron in this game dealing with injuries. So, Again, I, I kind of give, like I understand there's frustration with Russ because of the way this game went, but I kind of give Darvin Ham a pass in this game for making that choice because there was no LeBron to create offense for you. There was no LeBron to handle the ball. The, the alternative was, I mean, they're going to give the ball to Patrick Beverly. I'm going to give the ball to Austin Reeves. I'm going to give the ball. Kendrick Dunn didn't even play in this game. Th- those are your options, right? Those are your other options aside from Russ and I don't know that any of those would be better, particularly if you know you're going to get stuck and somebody's going to have to create a shot for you. Russ's athleticism may be your best chance at it. And none of those options really are great. Uh, B. Woods said, I live in Sacramento. That can't can't be easy, being a Lakers fan in Sacramento. Hate to see the Kings on the rise and the Lakers falling off. Monty McNair is running circles around Palenka. I mean, based on what's gone on right now, a lot of GMs are running circles around the Lakers and Palenka. You know, it's funny. Like, people were mentioning this on on Twitter earlier. Max Christie has been looking better. But shocker, right? Because we know the Lakers are good at drafting and, and they're good at finding players late. Look at that. Max Christie's playing good defense, knocked in some threes for the team. Shooting stroke looks good. Okay, you can see why the Lakers drafted him. Guess what they didn't do? Give him a three-year deal. Give him a four-year deal. He's got two years under contract. So while well, I've been talking about how every time I see Lonnie Walker have a good game, every time I see Troy Brown Jr. have a good game, in the back of my, my mind, I'm thinking, man, they, they play great. That's awesome. But that just means they're going to make that much more next summer. And it's that much more likely that the Lakers lose them for nothing. They They just walk away, just like we saw with Malik Monk. The same is going to be true here with Max Christie. Every time you see him do well, you're like, well, the Lakers are now going to have to pay him a year earlier than they would otherwise if they had saved a little bit of that mid-level exception, which every team in the NBA seems to do so that they can give their second round picks and their undrafted guys three-year deals or four-year deals, But you get, because you have leverage in those situations and you don't have to pay them early. Other teams around the NBA are looking at the Lakers confused as to why they're doing this why they can they keep over and over and over again making this this mistake. They did it with THT, did it with Austin Reeves, did it now with Max Christie. Austin Reeves is the next one. He has to get paid next summer instead of getting a three-year deal or a four-year deal by preserving some of that mid-level exception or that taxpayer mid-level to give him that longer contract. The Lakers continue to just give two-year deals. Same thing with Max Christie. Watch. Max Christie, as he improves this season, and then he let's say he improves even more next season, that summer, then the Lakers have to pay him early because of just a simple front office mistake that just keeps getting made for no apparent reason. They just keep doing it. You would like to think there's something behind it, but other teams around the league seem to... Find ways to sign players to these contracts that become advantageous to the team. I can't think of the last team friendly contract the Lakers had. I mean, LeBron technically isn't, you know, on a max contract because that's you know, stars are worth more than a max deal, but it's been a while since I've seen the Lakers make a sign a player where I thought, man, that's a really good, shrewd move. That's going to be a really good contract moving forward for this team. They're getting some guys on one-year deals, but that's a lose-lose contract. If the player's bad, you're not going to want them back. If the player's good, you're going to want them back, and you're not going to be able to afford them because you don't get bird rights on one-year deals. Anyway, I could talk way too long about roster construction and the way they built built out their salaries. Uh, Ball Hog Sports. <laughs> Darwin Scam subbed Wenham out as soon as he scored three baskets in a row, keeping us in the game in the fourth. Yeah, I mean he subbed him out but it was it was to go to AD. So it's it's hard to fault him for that. And I know Wenyan was dealing with foul trouble as well and the Kings were going back to Sabonis and that's probably asking a lot that's Wenning's going to pick up another foul almost immediately trying to defend Sabonis. So I understand like when you made a few nice plays but when it's AD that's going in and Sabonis is the guy that he's going to be facing up with, I get it. Sean Tate said, if I'm Braun, I'm not coming back until the team has made a trade. But that's interesting. I don't think LeBron will do that. But I mean, that could potentially be a way to put a little more pressure on the organization. If you just say, look, I'm going to make sure I'm really 100% unless you guys give me a reason to get back out on the floor. And that means making something happen. That's kind of a nuclear option, though, for LeBron. Uh, So bad. It's funny. I really hope Coach Ham makes rotations. Better to close games. And Pat Bev should not be in instead of Troy Mac, Troy or Max. I, I agree with you. I'd rather see Troy Brown Jr. out there. I, just, I understand you're trying to slow down De'Aaron Fox. But Troy Brown Jr. probably would have been the better pick in that. Dante, I'm sorry. Pat Bev needs to go. Your starting point guard has only three assists and five points. This has become a recurring theme. We gave up THT and Stanley Johnson for this. Fair point. Um, as far as Pat Bev needs to go, if the Lakers decide that he's a $13 million expiring contract that could come in handy. Uh, you could stack up 13 million expiring with Kendrick Nunn's 5.2 million expiring, and maybe go get somebody if you're willing to use a pick and and get something done. So he may wind up on the trade block for the Lakers. He may wind up move. I would just caution though, that the Lakers have talked about this, Patrick Beverly, His value is not limited to just what he does on the floor. He also provides a lot off the floor in the locker room. And those things do matter. Again, it's nothing that we see out there. It's nothing tangible where we can say, oh, look, he put the ball in the basket. We don't see Patrick Beverly working with whatever player and helping their game and and that sort of stuff, or how his mentality helps the team in practices or anything. We don't get to see that stuff. So that's just something to keep in mind. I'm not saying that's reason why you keep him or anything, but Patrick Beverly does provide a bit more value than just what he does on the floor. Salvador Guerrero, we lack a second half score. It's either Westbrook or AD. Davis isn't doing enough in the second half, so I don't know. We need stars, and one big star only has 24. Yeah, I've gone over why AD's having trouble getting going in the second half, um, in this game anyway. But you just you need space, and that means you need shooting. You need guys who can shoot the ball, and they don't have that. So it's hard to score. Hard to score when you have no space, and and the teams are just everybody, all the all the bodies are in the paint. Um, he's on fire betting NBA player props, eighty to ninety percent overs, but AD one for three with three brutal non covers after looking like locks at halftime. Yeah. Uh, AD was at, uh, I think it was 25 and a half coming into this game. What do he finish with? 24. Yep. He's done that now. I believe it's, th- I think you're right. I think it's three games in a row where he's finished either one point or a half a point below the over under. It's been brutal. I, Vince, is Trevor holding us all together? It's what I'm here for, man. We Look, this is how this show started years ago was the Lakers were bad and we had this show to come in and vent and talk a little bit about what we saw and talk about, hey, silver lining, Brandon Ingram had a decent game, and maybe he can turn it into something. And Those were literally the first discussions we were having when we started this show a long, long time ago. And uh, yeah, look, if nothing else, I usually feel a bit better after these shows. I hope you guys do a little bit as well. Sometimes we need to just come in and vent. Chris B, blowing it all up, still won't fix Jeannie and Rob. Yeah, if you believe the front office is... Toast is, is not going to get the job done, then asking them to make a trade or asking them to blow it up, that doesn't solve the front office not having the, the people involved that you need or not making good choices in general. If you have some faith that they still can make good choices, that they can right the ship, then you're a bit more gung-ho about you know big moves from them. It is interesting. It's an interesting dynamic because you have a lot of Lakers fans like even myself that are hoping that our moves that are, they get made while at the same time criticizing the front office for the previous moves that they've made. We were just, we're, we just have this belief that whatever the next move is has to make it better than this. Unfortunately, reality is that just like we've seen in the past few moves, it could actually make it worse. That's that's possible. Mike says we have a team full of role players. Even our big three doesn't seem to be able to take over games. Or score over thirty points when Braun is healthy, yeah, that's the other part, right? As much as we talk about this Lakers roster, about how they don't have, they don't have enough talent, right? They just don't. They it, they don't fit, and they don't have enough talent. Those two things are a problem. What's also a problem, though, is that LeBron, AD, and Russ haven't been the versions of themselves that we've seen before. You need, this team really needs, you're going to build around three stars. You need MVP caliber LeBron. You need MVP caliber Anthony Davis, and you need easily all-star caliber Russell Westbrook. You need those three things too. In addition to having the pieces fit, in addition to having more talent around them, if there's any way to get by with having three stars and a bunch of veteran minimums rounding out your roster, those three stars have to be dominant. And they're not. So that's part of this equation too. When we look at what's going on with the Lakers, why do they keep losing? Well, it's because AD, LeBron, and Russ, they're good, but they haven't been great. They all have to be great in order for this team to work in addition to to the rest of the team. Has got to start making shots. The rest of the team's got to click. The rest of the team's got to figure some things out. You probably need to add some talent there. But those three guys, to have any chance, they've got to be great. And they've just been good. All right. Let's see. I am falling way behind here in the chat as usual. Uh, Shay said, so disappointed, but at least we saw some effort. I wish the silver lining was. You're buying a Russ jersey as that three-point percentage is super high for Russ. I said the first 10 games, didn't I? What's he at now? Because this obviously isn't 10 games in. What is his three-point percentage at this point? Let me see. This is correct. This is up to date. No, that's, they only have 10 games here on the ESPN stat sheet. He's at 33%. Let me see if, if somebody else has it. By the way, the, the bet was that if Russ... Um, was a was 38% from three or above in the first 10 games of the season, then I would have to get a Russell Westbrook jersey, wear it on the show, um, and all of that. Because there were Russ stands who were saying, look at Russ's last 10 games the last season. He's good. He's figured things out. Everything's going to be great. Look, to his credit, Russ has been better. And it uh, looks like even Bball reference is still having him at 33%, only 10 games in. We'll see. We've got to update from tonight's games and see where he's actually at. Maybe NBA.com has it. Uh, They do. Oh, he's up to 36%. Still a little bit short, but he's almost there. He's almost there. Sammy says Bev JTA Jones and none give us nothing. Well, none didn't even play in this game. So, and honestly, rightfully so he's not been good at all. Um, So he, did not in, get into this game. The two guys who did not play, Matt Ryan and Kendrick Nunn. Uh, Damian Jones played seven minutes. He was two for two shooting. There's a lack of fluidity with him right now. It just, it, it looks clunky with him on the floor. So I'm I'm concerned there. JTA, I thought made some okay plays. Two of three, hit a couple three, or hit a three, hit, hit one more shot. He wasn't, like, Troy Brown Jr. Has, has been much more effective than him. And Troy Brown didn't have a great game, one for six shooting in this one. But, yeah, you've got, that's been a problem for the Lakers, is how many guys are playing at an NBA level right now? Like, really, at a true NBA level. It's Russ, AD, Troy Brown, Lonnie, Austin Reeves, tonight. And Austin's been mostly good. So that, that that's five players. When you've got an eight or nine or sometimes 10-man rotation, that's not enough. And you can say Wenyon's had some good games and all that, but he's kind of borderline. That's not enough. That's too many minutes where you're having guys that simply just aren't playing at an NBA level. Even when you've got LeBron in the mix and you've got six guys that you know are, that's still a lot of minutes that have that are having guys on the floor that just aren't playing well enough. And that's part of why none doesn't play in this game. Starving Ham is trying to find something that'll work. Mario says, I know Jeannie gave Rob an extension, but if they give the Pelicans the number one or two pick at the end of the season, Rob should resign. I mean, if you're looking at merit, that's, that's fair, right? I mean, that would be two seasons in a row of putting together disastrous teams. That's not a good sign for keeping your job. Two seasons in a row of absolute disasters yeah I'm not going to disagree with you on that Mario uh Bureau if we're going to play half court we need LeBron agreed but even LeBron needs spacing the Lakers can't provide him that right now Jerry Sanchez Trevor do you have World Cup predictions would love to hear your opinion opinions going to lose sleep but it will be a nice distraction from this Lakers team you know I don't have necessarily a prediction right now I have to dig into the World Cup a little bit more I've been so focused on Lakers for Well, basically forever really, but, um, I'm really excited about the world cup. It felt so weird and so wrong to have the U S not in the world cup last go round. So I am, I'm thrilled. I'm excited for the world cup. I I can't wait for it. Um, I, I'm, I, I don't have a, a full prediction yet. Maybe next show I will. I don't know about the U.S.'s bracket. Um, yeah, it's it's a little bit concerning to me. And this is why. England is in the U.S.'s bracket. And England is, like when I'm not rooting for the U.S., I'm rooting for England and for England to win. And uh, having them in the same group doesn't feel great because they're going to have to play each other. And that's coming up on uh, November 25th. So, yeah, not not ideal for me and my my rooting interests. Daniel said Stanley Johnson being in the Bev trade depresses me so much. And Stanley Johnson isn't even in the league right now, but the Lakers can't sign him even if they wanted to, because of league rules, he'd have to go to another team first and get waived. ET said the season is still salvageable, but a trade is clearly necessary. Lakers are going to have to play with playoff intensity for the rest of the season. Oh yeah. You, your margin for error is gone. You've wasted all of of your games that you've given away. You've got to figure out some way to get wins. You've got to figure out some some way, some way, somehow, you have to scrape together wins. And you're. I think you're right. You probably do have to make a trade if you're going to try to win this season. Mike, Russ and AD play like role players. They can't seem to ever take over games or score over 30. They're not dominant. Can't carry a team. And LeBron is too old, too. Yeah, I addressed that already. So I'm not going to rehash that one. But um, it's been part of the problem for the Lakers is that they're, they're stars. Haven't been MVP caliber caliber. They've just been good. Ham isn't ready to be a coach, be a head coach, not for LA. We'll see. I, I think you got to give Darvin Ham the season before you start to pass judgment on, on him. But that's me personally. Bruce said AD to Dallas for Dinwiddie and Wood. The Mavs might do that, that's that's a pretty good deal for Dallas. I don't think the Lakers would do that. Do you think AD has been injured more at the five or a power forward? I would say the five, but it's a little bit like you would also expect him to be more injured there, not just because of the physicality, but because he's played there more often. He played there a lot last season. Most of his minutes were at the five last season. All of his minutes essentially have been at the five this season. So that's also what you would expect is for there to be more injuries because he's had a lot more minutes there at the five. Oh, Avi B, salt in the wound. KCP was five for seven from three, 54% on the year. No big deal. Who, who needs threes? I know, that's the tough part, right? We're all keeping tabs, right? We're all keeping tabs on Kyle Kuzma, on KCP, even now Miles Turner and, and Buddy Heal, because we know the Lakers could have had those guys in a trade right before the season started. Um, Alex Caruso, everybody's keeping tabs on all of these guys. And it's not fun. I mean, look, you want, you want those guys to have success. Don't get me wrong. But it, it just hurts that much more when you look and see what the Lakers could have had. And that's, that's what really I think bothers Lakers fans is it's not just like the losing is going to bother fans no matter what, no matter what form it takes. But it's not just that they're losing. It's that they're losing because of decisions that they made. It's not like they're losing because they're going through a rebuild right now. They're losing because of decisions that they specifically made. They put themselves in this position. And that's what gets fans that much more upset. David, so the front office needs to make incremental improvement instead of a big trade. Trade AD and Russ and Picks. LBJ with a group of solid 3 and D players is at least a conference finals team. Well, it depends on who those players are um i don't know if i can say for sure it's a conference finals team would it be better maybe but like you've got to get better period whatever whatever that looks like you've got to figure out a way to get better you got to figure out a way to win games period i think it is going to require a trade for this team to win games they're going to need some kind of a trade Heather, let's not act like a trade will just make things better. Remember how excited we were when Russ joined because we thought the three would work. We always thought the three didn't work on paper. But the thought was that the three of them hopefully would have enough talent that that would matter more than fit. And it turned out that was not the case. Didn't happen. So I think, Heather, that's a good point that, and just a trade doesn't necessarily mean that things will be better but right now when you're when you're stuck in this you're thinking do something please do it can't be worse than this do something and I think reality is that it can be worse but most people don't want to think that way most people are thinking man this is as bad as it gets and most likely a trade is going to make us to some degree better because it can't get much worse than it is right now it can get worse but I still think a a trade needs to happen because it's clear this team, like if you don't do something, you're just going to continue to downward spiral. You're going to continue to alienate LeBron. You're going to continue to alienate AD. Frustration is going to boil over at some point. AD was already really upset after the game. If you stay on this path, I don't think, let me make this prediction. If the Lakers don't make a move this season, Anthony Davis and LeBron are not on this team next season. I think that's kind of the the groundwork for that was being laid in the Chris Haynes piece that these guys aren't happy with the way things are going right now. And they're not going to be happy if something doesn't happen and they're going to lose faith in the direction of the franchise, which I think the next step in that is asking for a trade. And that, that may be the reality that the Lakers are facing As soon as the trade deadline, if not, maybe next summer. If they don't do something to change course here. And that's not a position LA wants to be in. If the Lakers fire Palenka and hire someone else, will they still be paying Palenka? It depends on the details of the contract, but yes, most likely the answer is yes. Um, It's Maybe there's like a team option in the final year of his deal or something like that. That stuff doesn't get made public. Uh, But keep in mind, there is no salary cap for executives or for coaches, by the way. So you can pay them whatever you want, pay them, whatever you want. It's not going to hurt you against the salary cap or anything. It's not going to hinder you. So if they decide they're going to move on from Palenka, even if you have to pay out the final three years of his contract, you can bring in somebody else. The downside is yes, you're now paying two people for one job because you're paying somebody else to go sit at home, but it's not impacting your ability to build out your roster. It's just impacting the amount of money that you're making. And for this Lakers team, that is one of the most valuable, literally one of the most valuable sports franchises on the planet. To me, that shouldn't be something that stops you. Now, a four-year contract still, you don't want to do that. And you're going to exhaust every option to not do that. But if it's very clear that it's what you have to do, that shouldn't stop you. The fact that you're going to have to continue paying them shouldn't stop you. Ben, Ben, Said making a trade that just gets us to sixth is worth it. Give Bron and 80 a chance. Relevance is valuable. Six years, no playoffs before LeBron. No perfect trade exists. Yeah, that's that's been my concern is that if the Lakers are looking at this situation and saying, "Well, what we need is the perfect trade. We need a trade that's going to turn this team in, into a contender." If that's the bar, you're not gonna you're not making a trade then, because that trade probably doesn't exist. Because you're not getting Giannis for Russ on a couple of picks. You're not getting Luka for Russ on a couple of picks. You're probably not getting Bradley Beal for Russ on a couple of picks. And I don't even think that's the path the Lakers should go down. I don't think that's what they should do. If that's what they're holding out for, then you might as well just tell LeBron we're not making a trade this year. Because most likely that deal's not coming down the, down the pipe. That's not happening. If that's really what you're looking for is this big star level trade that's going to turn everything around and turn you into an instant contender doesn't exist. Unless there's something out there that no one else is seeing and that completely blindsides us. I don't see how they make a trade that turns them immediately into a contender. Because the only shot at doing that would be getting with this team would be getting a Giannis level MVP player. And you're not getting that for what they have to offer. This is a good point here by Ben. Bird rights to young Turner and Heald, underrated. Young players, Turner and Heald, that's underrated. Yeah, the Lakers don't have bird rights on these guys, on Lonnie Walker, on Troy Brown Jr., that would allow them to spend money and then go over the cap to keep their players. It's so important in today's NBA when you're building out a roster that you keep the talent that you've got. And the Lakers, because they don't have bird rights on these guys, haven't been able to do that. Why Malik Monk walked away last year, despite being good for the Lakers. So getting bird rights on T- on Heald and Turner, that does matter. Um, that is important. And it is something that could help their team. It could. Depending on what the price is. Jaden R, if we can't re-sign Lonnie, could we do a deadline deal? Lonnie and Nunn and Beverly with no picks for something than a Russ Pacers deal. You could um Lonnie can't be traded until December 15th because he just signed a new contract this past summer so he's not trade eligible right now he will be trade eligible December 15th which is when most of the league that's that signed a new contract this past summer will become trade eligible that's usually the date that teams wait for to really get busy on the trade market because that's when so many more players hit the market because it it just opens up a lot more possibilities by December 15th, though, who knows where this Lakers team is at? I know most Lakers fans don't want them to wait until then, but we'll see. Uh, Chris, not a knock on LeBron, but it's weird how no one talks about decisions, mis- mistakes, and mishandling of the assets stem from compi- complying with LeBron's timeline. That can also be true. Like, was LeBron pushing for the Russell Westbrook trade? And if he was pushing for it, then yeah, he absolutely deserves some of the blame in this. And... You can also make the argument that if you look historically, what happens when LeBron goes to a team? They they get bled dry of their assets in search of when now moves, and then he moves on to the next team. And that team is left with nothing, right? Um, that may be what happens to the Lakers at the end here. Whenever LeBron moves on, if it's this summer in a trade, if it's next summer after that, it'd be a player option. If he sticks around another year, and his contract expires, and then he retires, what do the Lakers look like post-LeBron? Fair question and something that the Lakers front office has to consider. But yeah, look, LeBron lebron should get some of the blame in terms of the roster build. So should Anthony Davis, so should Clutch Sports, right? The decision to go get Russell Westbrook was not just made by one person. Clearly, LeBron and AD were involved in this clutch and, and all of them were involved in this decision. And here we are. So everybody should be taking some blame here. Eddie says the Lakers need to stop the charade and trade AD now and Braun in the offseason. This team is going nowhere, regardless of Miles and healed. Get first rounders, trade them where they want. Win-win. The Pelicans would certainly support that plan. I think for the Lakers, they want to exhaust all their options before they go down that path. Before they decide, okay. We're really going to rebuild because rebuilding can get ugly. We've been there. But I also don't think you're necessarily wrong. That may ultimately be the place where the Lakers have to go to is let's rebuild this thing. Let's get as many picks as we can and go from there. Maybe that's where we wind up. And maybe if we get to a point where the Lakers front office, where LeBron is saying, hey, I want to trade and the Lakers front office says we don't want to. This isn't worth salvaging. LeBron may ask for a trade. AD may ask for a trade and then that pushes you into a rebuild. That's possible. Avi B said, um, are the, are we getting calls about Russ for recent play or for money? Um, what Chris Haynes was hinting at in his recent piece was that the Lakers are getting, are not even hinting at they're getting calls because Russ has been better. They're getting calls about Russ. And what's implied is that teams are calling about Russ who would actually want to play Russ, which is a big change. They're seeing Russ have success coming off the bench, and they're thinking, maybe we can do that too. Now, that doesn't mean they necessarily want to pay him $47 million. doesn't mean that they're offering the Lakers good things in return. They could be calling and saying, hey, we're interested in Russ. Here's guys with three years left on the deal, and they're all terrible players. That's I'm not saying the Lakers are getting a good offer, but it's a change from what we saw over the summer. Over the summer, it was always teams that would – only get Russ because he was an expiring contract and they would be waiving him. They wouldn't, they would never play him. I think now you're starting to see teams who are talking themselves into potentially playing him, but he's got to continue playing well. Dez says Austin Reeves, Walker, LeBron or Troy, AD Wenyon, AD Thomas Bryant, run the offense through Walker and AD. So that's the one through five. Sprinkle in Russ, make Austin Reeves shoot the three, insert Matt Ryan. LeBron closes the game and attacks the basket. So that's your rotation. Lonnie Reeves, LeBron and Troy at the three AD and Wenyun at the four AD and Thomas Bryant at the five. Those are your players. Yeah. I'm not going to disagree that those have probably been your best players and your best shot at winning. That's also what an eight man rotation with Russ added in that's a, and then you've got Matt Ryan in there. So that'd be a nine man rotation. Eight man is a little thin. How much are you planning on using Matt Ryan? You're also removing Pat Bev. You're going to remove pat bev you might as well maybe move on from that expiring contract see if you can get something for him but i don't i don't hate that rotation i don't hate it all right we're going to do a couple more box said you go all in when you get lebron 2015 and 2018 Cavs gm griff and altman did their jobs multiple trades after seeing the team play during the season yeah, they were in different situations though in terms of having some players that they could add into con- into deals and things like that. But yes, that is in general something that you that you do when you've got LeBron is you go all in. But there's going to be a point and maybe we're there. I'm not saying we are, but maybe. But there's going to be a point where going all in and giving LeBron a shot is no longer the right decision. At some point, LeBron won't be LeBron anymore. And I don't think we're there right now. But at some point, LeBron is not going to be able to will his team to where he wants to go if he just has the right people around him. And some team, maybe it's the Lakers, maybe it's going to be somebody else, is going to have to make a difficult choice and tell LeBron no. And not give up the assets. At some point, that's going to be true. If LeBron's 27 and saying, hey, let's go win right now, Give up future assets. I'm signed on for years to come. Let's go. Of course you do it. But each year that passes, you get closer to that date where going all in for LeBron will no longer be the choice that the team makes. And again, you can make an argument we're there. I don't necessarily think we are, but that day's coming. Chicago's willing to trade Kobe White. He's an interesting player, but I don't know if he's like the top of the Lakers list. John says, so four guys, scores 20 points. What's the problem? Seems like the offense caught up, but defense isn't there yet. The defense has indeed regressed a bit, and the Lakers couldn't get the stops that they needed in this game, and that ultimately cost them. When you look at the box score, you look at all the particulars, the offensive rebounds, you look at uh, the, the turnovers, you look at the shooting. This is a very even matchup. It ultimately just came down to, in the last few minutes, De'Aaron Fox could hit shots, and the Lakers couldn't score. They couldn't get going on the offensive end. They got enough stops during the game, the midpoints of the game, to where they could run and they could score and they can do those things. But when the game really slowed down in the final few minutes, things fell apart for the Lakers. And De'Aaron Fox was still there to hit mid-range jumpers uh, going the other way. And so that really hurt the Lakers in this one. Yeah, their offense was probably good enough to win. But again, you saw the flaws really come out in the final couple of minutes. Jeff said, "Genie needs to apologize to uh, or fire Rob and apologize to Jerry West and have him come back. I don't think Jerry West wants to run a franchise at this age. Um, how old is Jerry West at the moment? He's up there. I know. Um, Jerry West is 84 now. Uh, he doesn't. He he can be a consultant, but he doesn't want to run an organization. Now that said." Maybe the Lakers were wrong to exile him to begin with the way that they did to treat him the way that they did. They did. Um, I think that's a fair critique, but Jerry West is not walking through the door to save the day for any team, let alone the Lakers. He's not going to come in and, and take over a team right now. Dre Johnson, is there somebody in the Bus family who could force Jeannie's hand to get rid of Palenka, uh, the Rambuses, and any family of hers to hire a real front office staff? Uh, Jeannie has the final say on all this stuff. So, but she she listens to the people around her and I've assumed that if those people had that kind of a message, she would have to take that into consideration, but she talks a lot about being very collaborative and how she makes decisions and that's how she likes to run things. So yeah, in theory there should be people who can have those conversations with her, but I don't know if they're going to, and maybe that's self-preservation. But it's something that from the outside seems clear, but from within the Lakers, for whatever reason hasn't been. And we're not saying just a Rob thing, but just in general, the decision-making around the team has not been good. Quinn says trading for depth, get Richardson, McDermott, and Yaka Pernal from the Spurs, uh, get Turner from the Pacers, get Reddish from the Knicks. Like if you could do all of that, that'd be great. But I think that you can probably do one of those things, maybe two, best case. Don't think you're going to get all of those in. Anyway, we've gone on long enough here. I appreciate everybody for joining me. I hope you guys feel a little bit better. You got to vent a little bit after what was a very difficult game here for the Lakers, another bad loss for this team. And, man, hopefully we can see them. What I want to see next game is I want to see them address the AD issue of him getting doubled and the team not being able to counter it. In fact, here, I didn't do any awards for this one, but let's do this. Master Lock of the Night. I need a win so we can do some fun awards. By the way, we haven't been doing these. But in any event, um, the master lock of the night, it's the way the the Lakers offense reacted to Anthony Davis being doubled in the post before he could even get the ball. They did not punish the Kings for that. I want to see that fixed ASAP. I'd like to see that fixed next game against the Nets. Oh, we did get one more super chat coming in last minute. Um, LeBron does not make a final call. Uh, Stop letting uh, letting actual final decision makers off the hook for Russ. They said no to LeBron on Lou, Lowry, uh, Caruso, DeMar DeRozan, but can't on Russ. Look, I'm not going to disagree with you there. Ultimately, LeBron may want something and he may push for something, but it's on the front office to make the final decision there. So you're not wrong in the way that you're thinking of that. But again, the Lakers look at things in a collaborative way. And so they like to take in a lot of different opinions, and that includes LeBron That includes Clutch Sports, Rich Paul. That includes Anthony Davis. We know that. So they've got to be factored in when we consider this stuff. But you are correct in that ultimately it's on Jeannie and Rob to make those decisions. All right, everybody. Appreciate you guys again for joining us. Make sure you subscribe to the Lakers Nation YouTube channel. Turn on those notifications. We will keep you up to date on everything going on in the world of the Los Angeles Lakers. If there's a trade, if there's trade talks, anything going on. We'll keep you up to date on all of it. So, again, turn on those notifications. Till next time, everybody. See ya and stay safe.